Babakama Daf Sadi, the last thing we're discussing was in regards to Takanat Usha, where a woman is not allowed to sell assets that she owns, but if she's married, the husband could pull it out of the buyers, meaning she doesn't have full control over that asset. We want to say it's a Mahloket Tanaim, because in regards to a slave, one bright asset, if she knocked out the eye, he goes out free. And uh, another Braita says that whether her or her husband knock out the eye, the slave does not go free. And it sounds like they're arguing, do we have a Takanat Usha or not? So the Gemara's first answer was, everyone agrees to Takanat Usha, just well, the first Braita was before the Takana, the second one was after. Or the second answer was, it, both Braita were after the Takana, but the Mahloket is in regards to what Rabbah said that a borrower could free up a collateral that was in the lender's hands. So same thing, even though her husband has some sort of connection, once she punches out the eye, it's like she freed the slave. And with that, we're going to start Sadi Hamud Aleph, second line in, second word, Lema de Let's say what Rabba just said, that the borrower has the ability to free up something from the lender's hand, same thing, the woman can punch out an eye and have the slave go out free. It sounds like it's a mahluket that the braita that said, a woman who knocks out his eye, he goes out free, they hold like rabah. And the braita that says that if a woman or the man knock out the eye, the slave doesn't go out free, it sounds like they don't hold like rabah. And the Gemara responds, Lo, no. Everyone holds of Rabbah. Over here, they're totally different. According to the rabbis who hold that whether a man or woman hurt the slave, he does not go out free. It's different because strengthened the lean or whatever stronghold the husband has. And therefore, she can't just punch out his eye and he goes out free. So in general, you're right. The borrower could take something out of the lender's hand. No problem. However, over here, Hachamim gave an extra power to the husband. So answer number one, it was one be, one before Takana, one after Takana. Second one, do they hold like Rabah or not? Here's a third answer. According to everyone, these two braytot don't hold of Takanat Usha. And the husband's rights or stronghold, whatever he has with, with the fruits of this land, it's not any stronger than any other person who owns the rights to fruits. Here, the machloka between the braytot is if someone owns the rights to fruits, does he own the actual asset? The Braita that says that if a woman pokes out the eye, he goes out free, they hold owning the fruits is not like owning the actual asset. And the second Braita that said even if the woman or the husband, whoever it is, poke out the eye or knock out the tooth, they don't go out free because they hold that owning fruits is like owning the actual asset. And the Mahloket of the Braitot is in the same Mahloket as the following Tanaim, the Tanya. If someone sold his uh, not-Jewish slave to someone else, but the deal was for the first 30 days, he's going to continue working for the old master. Now there's a prohibition, one is not allowed to kill a slave. Even a slave, you're not allowed to kill a slave. And when it comes to a slave or a regular Jew or anyone, 
no matter what you do, if the if the person dies, even if it's two days later, a week later, if they die as a result of the of the wound that you did or whatever you did to them, then uh, then you're liable for their death. The difference is when it is your own slave. If it didn't die within twenty four hours, then the master is exempt for the killing. Rabbi Meir holds the first person who's working with him, the original master, he has the deen of one full day, and if he hurts him and he dies uh, 24 hours later, he's Hayav, because he's under him, he's working for him. It's called Umetahatiado, he died under him. Because Rabbi Meir holds. Owning the fruits is like owning the actual asset, meaning the fact that the, the original master has a right to work with him for a month, that gives him the the prohibition of if he kills him and, he, and, and within 24 hours he dies, then he, then you're haya for the killing. Rebuda holds, it's the second one, the, the now the new owner is the one who's part of this mitzvah, because he owns him. Technically, it belongs to the second person. Why? Because he held the fact that someone has the right to the fruits is not like owning the asset. So the first person, you're right, he gets to use him, but it's not really his. Then there's the third uh, the third rabbi. He held that both of them are part of this mitzvah. One because he's working for him. The other one is because it's his asset. He owns it. And Rebiosi's problem is he's not sure. He's not sure. Is owning the fruits like owning the actual asset or not? And when it comes to life and death matters, we're going to be lenient, meaning we're going to say that they're both liable for it. They both have to be careful. Then Omer, they're both not part of this mitzvah. The, the second master because he's not under him the first master is exempt because it's not his and because the pasuk says not just that he works under him but it also says because he owns it it's his money it has to be the money that's specified to him meaning he's using it it's under him so if it's not under him and he or he doesn't own it, then he's not part of this mitzvah. So now the Gemara has a question. Amemor said something. Who's it like? He said, A husband and a wife who sold Nechsemilog's property that she, or assets that she brought into her marriage, the husband gets to use the fruits. If they both sold it, they didn't do anything. And if any one of them died, the other one could pull out of the buyer. Keman, who's that like? And and it's Kerebiyah Le'ezer. Because Rebiyah Le'ezer held that neither of them have a stronghold on this property. It doesn't belong to the husband, and the woman doesn't have a right to, to use it. Now, Mantana, Le'halitanu Rabbanan. Rabbanan taught something in Abraita. Who's it like? It says, Misha Hatsu Arvid Hatsu Ben Horin. A person is half a slave, half, uh, half a free man. Meaning he was owned by two people. One of them set him free. The other one still holding on to him. Or he's a slave that belongs to partners. They don't go out free if the owner knocks out a body part, doesn't come back, eye, tooth, finger. 
Amar le Rav Mordechai de Rav Asher, Haki Amre Mishemid Rabadi said this in the name of Rabbah, Rabbi the Ezer, it's Rabbi the Ezer. Because Milo Amar Rabbi the Ezer, Kaspar Mihado, didn't Rabbi the Ezer say in regards to the mitzvah of, of 24 hours and in regards to killing a slave? Didn't he say Kaspar, meaning you have to own the entire thing? Have you had lot specified to you, meaning you own it and you get to use it? Hachanami Avdo, have you had the same thing in regards to uh, hurting the slave when he goes out free, eye, tooth, etc.? It's, it has to be his slave and he has to be using it. it, has to be under him. So if he's half free, it's not totally his. If it's partners, it's not totally his. And therefore, they're not part of this mitzvah of uh, knocking out an eye either. Next, Mishnah. If someone smacked his friend by the ear or yelled in his ear, or like the Rambam said, he hit him in the back of the head, you embarrassed him, you have to pay him a selah for an embarrassment. You have to pay him a whole mane, which is a hundred selahim. Setaro, if you smacked him, you have to pay him two hundred zuz. If you smacked him with a backhand, then you have to pay him four hundred zuz because it's more embarrassing. Salam if he pulled someone's ear, talash with saro, he pulled out his hair. Rakak ruko, or if you spat at him and the saliva got to him, he avir min, or you took off his clothing. Para arosha ishabashuko, you uncovered a woman's hair in the marketplace. Noten lo arba meot zuz, you have to pay the person four hundred zuz for the embarrassment. Zeha cloud, the basic rule is as follows: hakolafi kvodo. It all depends on the honor or the type of person who got embarrassed. Even the poorest of Jews, you have to look at them as rich people who went down from their money, meaning they became poor. Why? Everyone is considered the child of Abraham, so you have to look at them that their embarrassment is a little bit more. They're not like a regular poor person. Rather, they were on this high level, and therefore they have honor and their embarrassment is more. It's just they don't have money right now, but their embarrassment is on the same level. There was a story. A person pulled off a head covering from a woman in the middle of the marketplace. She came in front of Rabbi Akiva. And he obligated him to pay 400 Zuz. You embarrassed her. Amar so the person embarrassing her said, Rabbi, ten li zeman, give me give me some time. I want to prove my innocence. Venatan Luzman, you give him some time. Shemara, he waited on her. Omedit al Petahatsera. And he found her waiting by the opening of her courtyard. And he broke an oil jar in front of her. Uboke Isar Shemin, and it was uh, about the Isar worth of of oil over there, which is about eight prutot. So she took off her head covering. She put her hand in the oil and she put it on her hair. I guess she wanted to put oil on her hair. So this man, he put the two witnesses to, to watch this. And he came back to Rabbi Akiva. And the man told Rabbi Akiva, you want me to give this woman 400 zoos? I mean, she doesn't even care about herself. Why should I have to pay 400 zoos for this? Amar le, Rabbi Akiva told him, Lo amartakum means anything. Because a person who hurts himself, a person who wounds himself, yes, he's not allowed to hurt himself, but uh, it, technically he doesn't have to pay for it. However, but if other people hurt him, 
they're liable to pay. A person cuts his own trees, even though he's not allowed to do such a thing, you know how to cut your, your fruit trees, still, I don't have to pay for it. I mean, I get my coat, but I don't have to pay for it. But if other people cut my trees, they would be liable to pay for it. So now the Gemara starts, the question is as follows. The Mishnah said that Rabbi Yosegeli said if someone smacks his friend, you have to pay him a money, which is a hundred zoos. And here's the question. Is it money sorry? Is it money from Sor? Tenan? Is it money sorry Tenan? Or money Medina Tenan? Or it's the the common used money in the country, which is about an eighth of the money of Tzor. So Tashema, there was a person smacked his friend by the ear. He came in front of Rabbi Uda the Nasi Amarle. So Rabbi Uda told the, the smacker, Ha Ana, Ha Rabbi Osiagali, here's me, here's Rabbi Osiagali, have le Manetsuri. So you see, you have to give him a money of Tzor. So what do you learn from here? That you have to give a mane tzori, the, the, the one that's worth more. So the Gemara has a question. What does that mean when Rabbi Udanasi said, here's me, here's Rabbi Yosei Maybe you want to say that he told him, here's me, I saw you do this. And you have Rabbi Yosei who holds that you have to pay whole mane tzori. And therefore, zil havele manetsuri. That's why you have to go pay him a manetsuri. Lememra. It sounds like the edna asa dayan. It sounds like a witness can become the dayan. It sounds like Rabbi saw him. He was the witness, and now he became the dayan. He judged him right away. Behatanya. The problem is we have a breita. It says Sanhedrin shirao ehad shaharagita nefesh. If Sanhedrin saw someone kill another person, miksatana asu aidim, miksatana asu dayanim. The bread of Bitafon. Bitafon holds. Okay, we split them up. Some of them become witnesses. The other ones become dayanim, and the witnesses talk in front of dayanim, and they make cases like that. Rabbi Akiva Omer kulam aidim him. Rabbi Akiva says everyone is a witness over here. Ve'en aidna asa dayan, and a witness cannot become a dayan. The Pasuk says that the Bedin has to try to save him, but if everyone saw him uh, killing, then no one's going to save him. Now, Adkan Okay, let's look at Rabbi Tarfon a second. He only went as far as to say that some of them become witnesses and some of them become Dayanim. But he never said that the Dayan himself could go give his testimony and come back and sit on the judge's bench and be a Dayan. So the Gemara explains, Kitanya hahi, when Rita Fon was talking, that's Kigon Shira'u Balayla, Delole Me'avadinaninu. Now that's, if they saw it at night, that's not at a time of Din. So it's not the beginning of Din. So meaning they saw, they saw it at night, and when they come the next day, they're testifying, and then turning around sitting on the judge's bench, and that's a problem. However, Biuda saw the whole action during the day. That's judgment time, and he doesn't need witness. He just judged based on his own eyesight. And he held, like Rabbi Tarfon, that a witness can sit on the judge's bench. Or you could say, This is what Rabbi Uda told him. Here's me. I hold that Rabbi Uda Sorry, that you have to pay money from Tzor. And here's the witnesses who testify against you. Go pay him a full money. And Rabbi Uda was never part of the witnesses. And the Gemara has a question, does Rabbi Akiva really hold that a witness cannot become a judge? 
But didn't we learn in regard to someone hitting his friend? Someone hits his friend with a stone or with a fist. The same way a fist is, we know what it is. It, the Be'etin, the, the witnesses know what it is. They can bring it to Be'etin. Of course, Therefore, anything, same idea that where the witnesses know what it is, the Dayanim the, the could see what it is. We're coming to exclude the case of, let's say, the rock that he hit him with got lost right after he hit him. In that case, he would be patur because there's nothing to uh, prosecute him with. My Lord, Biakiva responds to Shimonatimni. Wait, did he hit him in front of Betin? Should I They know how many times he hit him. Valmaikal, and they know where on his body he hit him. Imal Shoko, did he hit him on the thigh or Tsipanavsho on the lobe of his heart? Number two, let's say someone pushed his uh, some other person off the roof or from the from on top of a building, and the man died. Does Betin go to the building? Does the building go to Betin? And also, let's say the entire building falls down, collapses. We rebuild the building so we could show it to Betin. Rather, you have to say, the same way a fist is known. The witnesses saw the fist. I've called Anything else where the witnesses were able to see what it was that hurt the person who got hurt? We're coming to exclude a case where the rock that he hit him with got lost right afterwards. That patur. Why? Because we, we didn't see the, the weapon. Now, here's the main point. It says in the Brakta, Amalor Biakiva, Biakiva responded, Vichibifne, Betin, Hikau, Shadin, Kama, Hikau. The 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 betin see the 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 hit they know where he hit him how much he hit him ha he called before him and what I'm understanding from here is let's say betin actually saw the hit it would sound like a witness the betin who are witnessing this can become dayanim now before we said that Rabbi Akiva said that a witness cannot become a dayan here we're saying that Rabbi Akiva is trying to prove to Shimon that if they would see it they would be able to judge it. So the Gemara explains, no, really Rabbi Akiva holds that a witness can become a Dayan. And over here, the Dvarav, the Rabbi Shimon Hatimni Kam, over here he was talking according to Rabbi Shimon Hatimni. And he held that the weapon has to be accessible to the to the witnesses, to the Dayanim. Vele lo Rabbi Akiva doesn't hold this. And there's no proof from here that uh, Rabbi Akiva would hold that a witness can become a Dayan. Let's say a short time. Remember, a short time the damage only has to pay half damages. He killed the person, then he damaged another person right after that. We go by the higher, the stricter punishment, and we judge him for, to get killed, and we don't judge him to, to pay. But if it was a short Muad, he already gored a couple times, three, four times. And uh, he killed someone, and then he damaged uh, something. First, they judge him for money, and make him pay whatever it is, and then they judge him to kill him. 
If for some reason they judge the life and death case first, at that point they cannot judge him again for the money. Now the Gemara has a question. Let's say they judge him for life and death first. Who cares? Okay, just judge him right afterwards over the money. Meaning finish one case and finish the other case and kill him. I found the rabbis in the Midrash sitting and talking and they said, Ha money, who is right that like Rabbi Shimon Hatimnihi? The Amar He said that the fist and the stone has to be accessible to the Betin and the witnesses. They have to know about it, they have to see it. We see that we do need some sort of measurement, assessment of a betin. And the issue over here is as follows. In this case, once they judged him, they said, okay, this uh, ox has to get killed. We're not going to wait out the assessment of betin for the next case, for the money case. We don't delay a judgment. Once he was sentenced to death, that's it. They have to go kill him. The Amina Lehuana and the Rabbi said, and I told the, the rabbis in the Yeshiva, you could even say it's like Rabbi Akiva, who says you don't need the measurement of betin for damages. What are we dealing with over here when they judge him first for the death, uh, death situation and then for the money situation? Kegon Shebarah. We're talking about a situation where either the owner of the ox ran away or the ox itself ran away. Most Rishonim say that the owner of the ox ran away. The Rambam says that the ox ran away. So you can't uh, judge, you can't find them guilty, or you can't uh, obligate them to pay when they're not there. Ibarah, the Gemara says a question. If he ran away, if they didn't judge him the life and death case, how could you judge him even for money without the owner there? So Gemara explains the Kabil We're talking about a situation where they accepted witnesses on the case, and then the man ran away. And since we accepted testimony when he was there, we could finish the case even if he's not there. And the situation is as follows: Once you sentence him to death and he ran away, okay, even if you judge him for money, well, there's nowhere to get the money from. Rashi explains, we're talking about a person who's poor, who has no other assets to take the money from. But the Gemara asks again, sof, sof, mehecha mishchalem, fine, okay, I thought, I, where do we get a payment from? Meaning, let's say the he didn't kill anything, let's say he's, this ox is not hayav mita. Okay, but still, okay, let's say we judged him for money, where do you take the money from? So the Gemara says, let him plow, let him get rented out, and let him plow, let him work off his debt sort of thing. The Gemara says, well, if you could just rent it out, then Tam, in the case of a Tam also, so let, in the case of Tam, let's first judge him for money first, then let him pay off his debt through the, the, the plowing, and then we'll judge him for the death situation. The fact that we don't do that, we understand that when hiring an animal for plowing is considered from the best money, from the top level money or top level assets of the owner. 
And when it comes to short term, we don't uh, we don't pay from the top level assets of the owner, rather from the goof of the the ox, meaning from the ox itself. We would uh, sell it, and whatever the animal's worth, we would pay off the damage. And we will stop right here. Baruch Hashem le'olam. Amen ve'amen.